Good morning. It's good to be here. And I know we're a little thin today, but I think that um, I think there are some people traveling, and I know that the weather today is probably the cause for some of that. But uh, really thankful for the group that we have here and the opportunity we have to we've had, and we still have to worship God and encourage each other. And I hope that the lesson what we're going to look at today will be encouraging. And it's not meant to be anything other than encouraging. And maybe. Maybe more than anything, it's meant to just highlight some things that maybe we already know, but look at it in a little bit different way or look at it in a way that might, might be a little bit refreshing for some of us so that we can take these things and we can apply them to our lives or we can ponder them and meditate on them and we can see if, um, number one, if, if they're true according to God's word, but also see how does this apply to me how does this either change my view of what I need to be doing or what I am doing or other people? And just it, it can have a lot of different applications. So I, I hope that that will happen. That, that's the intent behind the lesson. Um, we are going to be in James. We're going to be in the book of James. And we are going to look at just a few verses in James chapter 1. I want to talk about something we find in James 1 verse 17. But just to set the context a little bit. James is a book, if you can read in the first few verses, it's a book that is written, or a letter that is written to Christians that are scattered about and are going through various trials. It actually doesn't list the specific trials, although we can assume what some of those might be, but they're going through a lot of different stuff. And James is writing so that they would be able to understand some of why these things are happening, but more than that, because that doesn't really, if you know why something happens, sometimes that actually doesn't help you that much. It's still happening. So what do you do with it? So he's really writing so that they would continue to persevere and have faith, so that they would grow in their faith, so they can know what they need to do while they're going through difficulties. What, what are some things, some practical things that we should be doing while we're, while we're going through difficulties? And that's what he's writing about. Like, for instance, he, he talks about, if, if you're lacking wisdom, you need to pray. You need to ask God. So if you want to know why something's happening or what you should do or how to handle situations when it's really tough and, and you're going through um, trials and tribulations, well, you need to pray to God. Well, what should I be doing that is actually with my hands or like actions and service? Well, if you look at the end of chapter one, he says that you need to visit orphans and widows in their distress. So you need to go to those that don't have anybody that can't provide anything for you and you need to watch out for those people. And what are some things I should do when I'm struggling and I'm going through difficulties uh, as far as on a, mor on a morality type of, in, in, a, in a moral way, or, or my character? Well, you need to be careful that you don't um, be stained by the world. But one of the things he's going to talk about in chapter 3 specifically is well, you need to watch what you say. You need to be careful and guard your tongue and make sure that you're saying the right thing. So those are the types of things that, that James says to these Christians. But then you look in beginning of verse 12, and you see that he says that, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So there's hope. So what do you have to look forward to, or what should you be doing? Are you going through trials? Well, you should be understanding that you have something to hope for. There's a, there's a crown of life. But then he says that let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. That's a pretty important thing that we learn about God and learn about temptation in that verse. 
Then he says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it, is, it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I want to talk about God being the Father of lights where there's no shadow or variation in him. And this might be something that, that you already know, that you've already thought about, and if so, then, then hopefully some things we'll look at will just kind of add to the arsenal that you already have kind of in your pocket as far as things you know about God that help you be faithful under trials and temptations. But what does it mean that God is the Father of lights? And what does it mean that there's no variation or shadow due to change within him. And what does that mean about me? I mean, if, if I know that about God, for instance, we, we would say that we would understand that God is a loving God. Well, what does that change about me? Well, that means that I need to understand that God loves me. So that helps me with just kind of a being at peace kind of idea. But also, well, I need to be loving then. If God is love, then I need to love as well. So uh, that's kind of an example of whatever we learn about God from these verses, it does change not only how we view him and how much confidence we have in him and maybe the peace or comfort that we have knowing that we serve this type of God, but also it changes who we are in some ways. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So first, what does it mean that God is the father of lights? Well, I don't know about you, but right off the bat, my mind goes to creation. I go back and I think of, well, God created light. There was darkness there was there was just nothing, and God created and formed what we live on today, you know, the earth and everything we see around us. But he also just invented the idea of light. So God is the father of lights. And then what do we use as, as our lights? Well, other, obviously we have lights that we turn a switch on. But where do we get the idea that when there's darkness, there needs to be something that lights up a space? Well, we look and we have the sun. We have the moon in particular. And we have stars. All those things are from God. So we see that God is the Father of lights because he created all those sources of light. But all those sources of light are affected by various things. For instance, uh, I think it was last year over the summer, or maybe it was during the spring, you know, during the middle of the day, there was this big, um, was it an eclipse, right? And so I remember, you know, we had those stupid little sunglasses, you know, we went out there and was like, don't look at it, you know, because you'll go blind if you look at it, but go look up, and I don't think we, we were in an okay place, but we were in the best place to see the eclipse, so the sun can be affected by other things. What about at night? There are times where it's a full moon, but there are times where the moon is just a little sliver. Well, that's the moon, that light that is shining forth is affected by something, and obviously, if you're in downtown Atlanta, there are times where do you even see the stars? <laughs> I mean, we, we, we're in a better situation than some other cities, but I mean, there are times where you can't even see the stars. Now, the, the real issue there is that the star isn't being affected. Our view of the star is being affected. But nonetheless, our view of the lights, the, the, the examples of lights that we have, it shows us that there are variation and changes and there's shadows over them. 
but not with God. Those lights are just representations of God in his true light. So this, just a side point, the same way that the sun is unchanged and the moon is really unchanged, it's just our view of those sources of light changes, it's the same with God. If we think that God has changed and that there's a shadow over him or something like that, he hasn't changed. He doesn't move. He's unchanged and unfazed. It's just our view of him sometimes has changed. And what, what could affect that? Well, if you go back to what he's just talked about in James, he just talked about this idea of temptation. And what, what happens when temptation gives birth, right? Uh, we, we have a newborn here. Well, we don't need to get into the ins and outs of how he came about. But I think we all understand that one thing starts, and then down the road, this crazy thing happens where there's, um, there is eventually something that is born. Uh, a, a boy or girl is born. Well, what is born from temptation and from our desire? Well, it's sin. So what gets in the way of me seeing God as his, the pure, true light that is unchanged? Well, it's, it's my sin that will get in the way of that. Or my doubt, or my issues with how I view life. You think of how we're studying Job. What could have gotten in Job's way of seeing God, of being true and righteous? His circumstances could, could change how he affect, and could affect how he views God. So, so God is the Father of lights. There's no change, no variation. We look at the sources of light that we have that are natural, and we can see that they're representations of God as light, but they're not all that God is and all who he and how he is light. Another, another way that God is the Father of lights is not by the physical lights that we see around us, but one of the things it says in John 1 about Jesus is that he was light, or he is light. So light is the revelation of God's love that we see through Christ, and it is the life of Christ that exposed the darkness. So in that way, Jesus being light, God is the father of lights. Mm -hmm. Jesus declares that he is the light of the world in John, John 8 and also in John 9. And then we have the, the word of God that is sounded forth, and it is light. You go back and you think of even in the Proverbs. Well, what do we have that illuminates our steps or lights our path? Well, it's the word of God. And who is the bodily form of the word of God? Well, it was Jesus Christ. So he, he came, and he is the light that enlightens all people. So if we are believing in him, we're no longer in darkness. So in that way... God has, is a father of lights, not just to what we see around us so we can understand something about him from nature, but also in our lives in the fact that we have Christ and he is our light. So I, I, want, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the idea of the fact that with him there's no variation or shadow due to change. And I, I'll, I'll just kind of let you know, um, I should have said this at the beginning if I was going to uh, let the cat out of the bag, I guess, but this is all leading to to one side point that, that I, I want to make towards the end. I think we know that, that God is the Father of lights. I don't think that that just changed your whole view of God by talking about some of that. And maybe you already know that like God is unchanged and there's no variation in him. But just to make that point pretty clear, I, I do want to look and just, if you want to write these things down or just listen, I just want to show that even within the book of James, in this letter, he lists out a lot of facts about God that we should just know these are just truths that, that are unchanged. For instance, in James 1 verse 5, God gives generously to all. 
I think it's important, I know it's important that he, that he emphasizes that it's to all. Because if God only gives generously to certain specific individuals, now granted he's talking to Christians, okay? So we're not talking about he gives the same things to the terrible murderer that he does his faithful servant. We're, we're talking about among Christians, God gives and answers prayers uh, generously. But also, does he not give to all generously, just period? Now, those gifts might look different, but he does give uh, good gifts to all. We have life. Now, whether our life is, has the same value in other people's eyes, in God's eyes, it does have the same value. So, God gives generously to all. In James 1.12, God is a planner and he keeps his promises. And in James 1 verse 17, God is good and he is only good. James 1 verse 20, his righteousness is true unlike ours. Later on in, in James 1 verse 27, we get the idea that God cares for the poor, the weak, the lonely, and the helpless. We see that again in chapter 2 verse 5. In James 2 verse 19, God is one. That's where he says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe in, in shudder or tremble. But God is one. And then, then later on in, in chapter 2 and verse 23, God is open to a friendship and a relationship with us, but not if we befriend the world. That's taken from James 2, 23, but also James 4, verse 4 and verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 8 as well. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In chapter 4, verse 6. And then lastly, God is compassionate and merciful. In chapter 5, verse 11. Those are just, those might not even be all the things in James, but those are just a quick list of, these are facts about God. These are, this is who he is. Those all are things that are unchanged and unfazed. Like God doesn't decide at some point to not be one. He always is one. And there's no changing that. God doesn't at some point decide, I'm, I'm not going to be merciful anymore. Like, I'm going to change my character totally. Again, when we talk about the Father of Lights, how the way we view God can be changed because of other outside factors, something can get in the way of God's mercy towards us. But again, that's not necessarily because God is lacking in mercy. It's because we are no longer in a state where we are receiving or accepting his mercy. I grew up where the, the idea of someone being stable and being consistent is just very foreign to me because in my home, I, I just didn't see that. The one person I saw that in, or one of the people I saw that in, was probably my grandmother. I saw it in my granddad too, but I talk about my granddad enough, so my grandmother. I've only seen her be sweet. I've only seen her be a good cook. I've only seen her stay up late and watch the Braves. <laughs> I, there are just some co constant things about my grandmother that I just know. I've only seen her sit in the specific chair. Well, this is when they lived in an old house that they had a specific chair with uh, her slippers. She likes her coffee a certain way. Like she is just very constant, not only in like what she likes, but in her character. I've only seen her be loving to, to us as grandkids, but I've also only seen her reach out to people and be kind to them and generous. So for me, when I think of someone that is constant, where there's no variation, that it really doesn't matter who you are, she is who she is, but if you want to 
be away and be separated from her character, then that's, that's kind of on you. It's my grandmother. And I've seen her be that way towards her brothers. And she has a lot of brothers, and they're all very different. And some of them are more receptive to her character, so they see her that way. But there are other people that might not see her that way because they don't really like that. And, and that might sound strange, but did you know that some people don't like kindness and generosity? So for them, they don't view you as being kind or generous. So when they think of God and his goodness and his purity and his loving kindness and him being light, well, they don't see him that way because they don't want to see that. But that doesn't change that that's who God is. God is constant. He gives good things and perfect things. He does not give tainted or unclean things. And we might, we might lose sight of that at times, but that's our, that's our sight that it has the problem. It's not God's gifts or God's giving that has the problem. The perfect, flawless, holy goodness of God results in his doing and giving only what reflects his perfect holiness and truth. That does not mean that everything will be fine and rosy in our life. Just know God gives good things. He gives things, what he gives is perfect. His works reflect his character. But on the other hand, James is saying in the previous section that temptations that lead to then the execution, which is sin, God has no responsibility for sin. He has no part of that. He doesn't tempt. So therefore, when it comes to sin, he can't be blamed for, for that either. He only gives what is good and what is perfect. And that could probably most, most well be seen through Christ. God gave the answer for sin. He didn't give the sin. He gave the word and the instruction to stay away from sin. It was Satan that started out giving the, the instruction and the, the different way of seeing God's command that led to sin. So God, God is constant. God does not change and there's no variation. So for a second, I want to talk a little bit about um, if you were just to think of a ton of different lights that, that you just know of, whether you think of the sun or the moon like we talked about, you think of the lights that are above us right now, you think of candles, you think of just all, the best way I can think of it is like when I'm driving at night, you know how many different types of lights there are out there? It gives me headaches sometimes. I have to actually, I mean, if, if, if that happens, I have to do like this and like block the side mirror from my, I, it gives me a headache. I can't stand it, especially the really blue lights that are so bright. Everything about us and everything that we see, there are variations of light, but not with God. God is one light and he is true. And everything that he shows and everything about him that he puts forth is, has the same tone of light, if you will. It all looks the same. Even if we want to say, well, it doesn't look the same to me. We have to understand that if God has been consistent in so many ways, then once I don't like something he's done, I can't then say, well, now God has changed. If he's been consistent in so many other ways, and if I can see that it's proven, then maybe I need to reevaluate and see, maybe I've changed a little bit. Maybe my view of this light has changed a little bit. Again, I, I hate to keep bringing up Job, but... At some point, doesn't Job's view of God change a little bit? Well, why did that happen? It wasn't because God had changed, because Job's mentality changed. Those that, that had an influence on him eventually had a little bit of an effect on him. And if Job were alive and he were able to say, he would say, yeah, I was wrong. God never changed. The same God I thought I knew is the same God that 
wound up showing himself to be true. And even though for a time I thought differently, that was, that was all me. So even though everything around us doesn't seem like there's a consistency about it, God is consistent in his being the father of lights. And just his character does not change. I want to go back over to Malachi, Malachi chapter 3 that that Kelly read earlier. And it's really interesting. I don't want to take too long on this, but there are certain things in Malachi that seem to really be a reflection of what what we've read in James as well. So let's back up and read in Malachi chapter 2, beginning of verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, Against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Here are just some of the, some of the comparisons. Obviously, the, the point that I want to draw is that God does not change. And there's a blessing because God does not change. He says, therefore you are not consumed. You are not destroyed. You are not totally um, oppressed because God does not change. You're not helpless and hopeless because God doesn't change. And that's really the same for us. And we get that idea, I think, from James. But here's some other things. The idea that God is righteous and just. Well, that's repeated in James. The idea that his people should be the same. We, we didn't read this, but later on in James, James chapter 1, he says that we keep oneself unstained from the world. And then we visit the orphans and widows. And then if you look down about who God seems to care about, uh, about the fact that there's judgment coming because of some terrible things that have been happening. If you look in verse 5 of Malachi chapter 3, he says, Against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow and the fatherless. So what we also learn is that God cares about those people that are lonely and weak and poor and helpless. And then the idea that the Lord is coming is repeated in James as well. The idea of refining and purifying, that's, that's the whole book of James. James starts out that the testing of your faith produces something. What's going to happen with these sons of Levi? Well, they're going to, they're going to start in one state, and they're going to wind up being like gold or silver. They're going to be purified. They're going to be tested and put to, and put to the test. And that's the same for us. And then the idea of God drawing near, we see that in James as well. The unchanging nature of God and then the fact that we can persevere. And if you go over to James, that's the exact same things that he's talking about. So I bring that up just to point out, if we do, if we do think that God has changed, he was, he was apparently the same in Malachi. And he's the same in, in the book of James. 
and he's the same today. When we say that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we understand the reason Jesus is like that is not just because uh, he wants to be like that. It's because of his very nature, because he's God. He's the same, and he always has been the same, and he always will be the same. So what does that mean for us? So in the book of James, you have these things being said so that they can have some comfort and understanding of who God is. But also to know if in verse 18 that of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. We need to know that this is how God is because that changes and affects us. And, and we are changed because of that. Just like we said earlier that, that God is a father of lights and we can see the sun, we can see the moon, we can see the stars, we can see the idea that the concept of light came from God. Also, so this is a little bit of a different way, but God has fathered many lights. And I mean that from nature and I mean that from Jesus, but also in us. God has fathered many lights because Christians are to be light in this world. And I know that's going along with our theme, and this is not intended to be a theme lesson or anything. But we need to understand that just by the very fact that we have salvation, we were in darkness and now we have light. And that's something that we only have from God. That Jesus Christ is life-giving light. So we find life and light in him, and we get that from John 1. So those who follow him do not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And we get that from John 8. Then you go over to 1 John, and we see very clearly that, that those that are believing in him, that have fellowship with God, do not walk in darkness, but we walk in light. That's not just good for us. That's, that's a state of being that we are to be showing to others. We are sons of light. So it, it's, it's on us. It's our task and it's our responsibility to pass on this light, to show this light, to make sure other people can see it. So in what ways can we work on this? In what ways can we be a representation of God as the father of light? So we can be children of light. We can show people that, that this is exactly who God is. Well, let's go back and let's just reiterate some of the things that James talks about. How about the fact that God gives gener generously to all? That, that doesn't mean that everyone has the same exact thing, but God gives generously in some very uh, fundamental ways he gives to all. And he, he does not show any sort of partiality. Well, in chapter 2 of James, you have this situation, this uh, uh, hypothetical even, which I actually don't know if it was hypothetical. It might have actually happened. But you have two people that come into the worship assembly. You have a poor man and a rich man. And if you wonder how could they tell, well, it says very clearly, like a poor man with shabby clothes and a rich man with gold. And you say to the rich man, oh, come in the good seat. Come sit here. I don't know if that's up front or in the back. I, I, don't, I don't know. Some people like sitting in the back. Some people like sitting in the front. But whatever it is, it's like, oh, get the good seat. But then you say to the poor man, I want you to stand at the back. I want you to sit here at my feet. So God gives generously to all, and he views people the same, and so should we. We don't look at people differently because of their economic standing. We also don't look differently at them because we don't relate to them. So some people, they find it difficult to relate to the rich. They prefer to relate to those that are of humble means. So the rich, they don't even have much time for them because like, they're like, I don't get them. Well, 
I need to view people the same because God does, not just because it's going to benefit me. We could be benefited by showing favoritism towards the rich, but we could also be benefited by showing favoritism to, to the poor. You know what kind of reputation you get if you spend all your time with those that have nothing to give back to you? Oh, what a servant. What a, what a good, good person. And, they, and you are that. But, but understand that if you do that and then you think, I got no time for that person that seems to have their whole life together, you're not reflecting God's light. God keeps his promises and he's a planner. God had a plan, he executed it, and he keeps his promises. We need to make sure our yes is yes and our no is no. We need to be consistent in the things we say and, and the word that we give people. God is only good. He only says things that are, that are good as well. And if you go over later on in James, if you see that uh, he brings up this idea of out of the same mouth come different types of water, you, 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 can't, you have to be consistent in, in what you show people and what you say to people. You can't say one thing to one person and another thing to another. He says that in, in James chapter 3, uh, towards the end of the, the section where he's talking about the, the tongue and, and watching what you say, he says, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives and or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So I don't know which one we're supposed to be, fresh or salt, but I know that we shouldn't be both at the same time. Whatever I say needs to be consistent, no matter who I'm talking to, no matter who's around. I need to speak truth and I need to speak encouraging things that are helpful. God is open to this friendship and this relationship with us, but not if we befriend the world. We need to reflect God's light in that as well. That doesn't mean that we're not friendly towards those who are sin. I mean, living in sin, even if it's open, like I, I don't need to hate them. I don't need to show hate towards them, but I need to be consistent with the people that I have in my life are godly people that those are the closest people to me, that I, I draw closer to them. So it's kind of funny, later on in James, he says that God resists the proud, he gives grace to the humble. What he says is, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So if, if someone is drawing near to us, we should draw near to them. Now what if, what if they do that and then I, I draw near to them and I realize that they're not, they're not a believer, they're not faithful, whatever it is. Well, if they are humble then we give grace to them and we try to be patient with them. We, we, if you want to say we work with them, we teach, whatever, whatever it is, but if they're proud and they don't want any part of that, well, then we resist that. We, 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 don't, we don't need to waste our time with some of those things. And that's kind of harsh to say. What I'm not saying is that then you write that person out of your life. What I am saying is that if what you're wanting to do is shine a light and they're in darkness and they don't want that light, then... There's nothing you can do about that. Um, so as much as they resist, then we kind of resist that as well. Which goes back a little bit to don't cast your pearls before the swine kind of idea. Again, I, I have people in my family and people that I'm very close to that aren't faithful. And I don't feel like I'm casting pearls before, before swine. But I'm also not going to act as if I can be as close to them as I can be to someone that is right here with me, that is trying to shine the light of Christ. 
God is compassionate and merciful in chapter 5. Well, that needs to be what we show to people as well. So I guess the question that I have for us is not necessarily do you understand who God is, but do you understand that knowing who God is changes who you're to be? And the second question is that if God is this light and he's unchanged, then what ways can we work on ourselves to be consistent and to be light in this world? Who can I make sure I go to and say, I know I haven't been consistent in my um, purity. I know I haven't been consistent in my speech. I know I haven't been consistent in this, but I'm going to work from now on to be counted on, to be stable and consistent. Because I believe in a father of lights that there's no variation in him. And I want to be that same way. And if we do that, then we can truthfully say that we are shining the light that is from above. But if we don't do that, then when people look at us, are they not seeing variations of light? It's kind of like driving on the road. All different types of headlights out there. And when we look around in the world, there are all different types of people that claim to be Christian and claim to be believers. But I'll tell you what, the one thing that we don't need to be is if we believe we have truth and we have light and we can, we can follow this word of God and we can follow Christ, we, we don't need to be showing a bunch of different types of light and, and shades of light to people. As much as is within our power, as much as we can, we need to be consistent and regular. So what that means for us is that we appreciate God being our Father and the Father of lights. What that also means is that we pray to God, that we understand how can we be changed and be more like Him. And then whatever that is, whatever we see in God's Word, however He shows us the things that we need to change, that we do that. So that way, after we have changed and become more like God, we are then unchanged. We don't, we don't show people different characters and different types of, of lives that we live. We are just singular. So that way they know that they can count on us because we are reflecting God. I hope those ideas and those thoughts are helpful. If any of those things have stirred up in you um, an idea that, that you might need to make something right, that I would encourage you to, to, to do that. That doesn't have to be here in front of everybody, but I would just encourage you to, to do that yourself and maybe to reach out to at least somebody and say that you need some help with that. That you realize, you know what, I'm, I'm not being consistent. I, I have a lot of variations in my life. And I'm, I'm not adhering and, and I'm not leaning on the Father of lights. But if you do need the prayers of the congregation, that, that is really why we're here. We're a smaller group today, so I think we all know each other pretty well. As well as we can, seeing each other a couple times a week. So just know that it won't, it won't fall on deaf ears and it won't go... And your plea for prayer won't be ignored. That that, that will be something that, that we want to do and want to help with. If you do need something and you have a need uh, that you want to express now, let us know as we stand and as we sing the song.